0: Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. We're so not woke, we'll put all the soy boy beta cuck bills back to sleep. I'm your host, the strongest Avenger, Matthew J. Therio. With me as always is the guy of lies and mischief, Andy Taylor. We are the Super Sexy Podcasters. Howdy Andy. Hey, how's it going? It is, it is going alright. I have to say though, this show has begun to negatively affect my life. Oh, how's that? Because this takes up so much disk space on my computer that I've had to take my entire porn folder and put it onto a separate drive. like Just like uh, a separate, uh, you know, one of those uh, SanDisk things. Uh, USBs. So all of my porn off the computer just to make room for the Super Sexy Podcast. And that porn is vital to this show. I have to go to my celebrity folder to get ideas for who we're going to cast in our casting couch. So this has become a huge inconvenience, needless to say. There is one positive
1: thing out of this.
0: And what would that be?
1: The price of uh, hard drives has dropped. So the solid state drives have dropped. So
0: Oh, precipitously. Absolutely.
1: So there is a positive lining there.
0: <laughs> I, I, in fact, recently purchased like a 400 gigabyte you know, drive or whatnot just for my uh, Nintendo Switch alone. And those are the really small ones that you have to put in the Switch.
1: Micro SD cards, yeah. Exactly. Yep. I, I got a 128 gig in my uh, my phone. Okay it's it's insane. I'm like I'm walking around and I'm like I can like hold movies and TV shows and stuff on here.
0: Oh yeah, I was just watching the last Jedi on my iPad at the gym. And when I get to mile 7 and I'm like starting to feel a little fatigued, I just, you know, say out my mantra, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. I mean, I know that's from a different Star Wars movie. That's the best one, Rogue One, but uh I gotta say, Last Jedi gets my blood pumping all the same. So, let us get into the first segment, the super sexy news. Take it away, Andy.
1: Okay, so, uh, we all know about the, the upcoming movie to be released on October 4th, The Joker. Or simply, Joker. They've they've had a, a recent interview in The Hollywood Reporter, uh, and they uh, interviewed Joaquin Phoenix, and he was talking about uh, that laugh that you may hear in the uh, the... The trailer, that sort of um, that unsteady laugh, where he just sort of just it just happens once in a while, what? and uh, he he explains uh, a little bit about that um, in the uh, the the paper where he actually says that uh, it was it, it's from a, a traumatic brain injury and that it's just random. He just sort of laughs, just uh, it's almost like a, a tick. It's just a thing that he does now.
0: The Joker, not Walking Phoenix. Obviously. Yeah,
1: the Joker, the Joker. And uh, that's how he sort of developed the character. And then he also had a notebook in which he wrote down his thoughts, the same way the Joker did in um, The Dark Knight uh, Rises. I'm um, sorry, the, uh, the, Dar- the Dark Knight Returns. The Dark Knight
0: Returns, the comic you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, Oh, uh, no, with um, um, uh, Christian Bale uh, and Heath Ledger. Oh, just The Dark Knight. Oh, The Dark Knight, yes. And he wrote, he had, uh, Heath Ledger had a notebook. So uh, where he wrote down all his thoughts and everything that uh, sort of led to the uh, creation of that character. Well, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did the same thing. All right. You excited for the Joker? I am really excited. And from what I've heard, the reviews, have been nothing but like raving about it. They've, I've heard nothing but great things about this movie.
0: That is so surprising to me. Like, I am very skeptical as to the quality of this film. I'm going to go in there with an open mind, but I have already said my piece about this. Uh, I did a video for Wisecrack, uh, the secret origins of the Joker, where we use philosophy uh, of the various writers of the Joker to try to break down the different ways in which they could have gone with the movie, not where it looks like they are going. And we get into Alan Moore, we get into Scott Snyder, we get into a, a few different comic writers over the years and how they've treated the Joker's secret identity.
1: And in this one, I mean, if you'll be lucky because, uh, I mean, you should be happy because it's rated R. So you know they're not going to hold back.
0: I, I wish they got rid of the MPA ratings altogether. That is nothing but soft censorship. Because PG-13 movies are so much more financially viable than art-rated movies. So many times the creative vision of the various directors and creators in Hollywood is trounced by studio executives wanting to make a few more books and so they have to soften the rating to appease those six bastards on the MPAA board who, because people are so rightfully mad at them, they have to have like their identities, you know, hidden. No one knows who these overlords of the movie industry are. You the comic book industry had an equally draconian, you know, rule set and board governing, you know, what could be put into comic books. Uh, it was called the Comics Code Authority. And rightfully, in the nineties and early two thousands, it slowly got phased out. And so in old comics you would see the seal of the Comic Codes Authority on the cover, and you will not see that anymore. Uh, Because they got rid of their censoring board just like the movies have
1: to. It doesn't hold the same weight as having that seal of approval by, say, Nintendo. You know, where you're looking like, oh yeah, that's quality.
0: Well, that used to be the case. Uh, And it is becoming again. Like, they don't put the seal of approval anymore on the new Switch games. But holy shit has the Switch been having a good year. Between Mario Maker and Fire Emblem Three Houses and now Astral Chain. And I didn't even get to play uh, Onanaki. But, man, it has just been one hit after another. I was playing a whole bunch of Astral Chain this morning, and that is a game of the year contender. I'll tell you that.
1: Um, I, I wanted to bring up that uh, it wasn't just uh, the rating system in, in movies and stuff, but it was also in video games. And it, it came out in the early 90s. I mean, the, the game that probably set it off was Mortal Kombat.
0: It absolutely was, yeah. That and Not Room.
1: Yeah, and I was like... I mean, I I was a kid probably... 11 years old, maybe, uh, and I I lived in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and I remember going to the Jacksonville Mall, and they, Aladdin's Castle was the arcade, and one day I go in with my friend, and I just see a line of just like a pack of people, uh, guys just hanging around this one arcade, Mortal Kombat, and there was raid in there, and I was like, what is this? And I go look, and suddenly I'm seeing blood in a guy's head get ripped off, and I'm like, oh my god, like, what is this? Oh my god, (laughs)
0: Oh, and they are still knocking it out of the park with those games. Their Injustice series, Injustice 2 in particular, one of my favorite games of all time. And Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11, more so X, I'd have to say, uh, some of the best of the series by Mm -hmm. far.
1: Yes. Yeah, when they rebooted it, I was like, okay, they're doing a little different, but then they just started going with it, hardcore.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm so excited for all the characters that are going to be dropping soon. You got the Terminator, he's going to be coming in. You got Spawn, he's coming in. My favorite Mortal Kombat character, not Wolf, is returning. I am definitely going to be picking up that character pack. So
1: let's move on to the uh, next story. The next story. So, uh, right now there hasn't been any deal yet between Sony and Marvel.
0: As of the recording, hopefully by the time you're listening... All of the executives at both companies have been ousted by the shareholders and they have been had their golden parachutes taken away and they've been reduced to poverty because they were so greedy. And now we have new people up in charge that actually respect the characters. Hopefully. Yeah. And,
1: and now you have a, uh, uh, Sony is putting Spider-Man back into theaters with extended cuts and people aren't happy.
0: Oh no, they will not get a penny from me. I don't. I don't pay for movies because I'm a film critic and I get to see all of my movies for free as many times as I want, paid for by my work, essentially. But even for free, I will not see it in theaters again because I don't want my work paying Sony.
1: It's like... I mean, the only good thing I think they're going to do is like, when I heard Andy Serkis was going to be directing Venom 2, I was like, okay, at least I know that he that he's the go-to guy for, you know, that animatronic character, that sort of a uh cgi character that's being played by a real person but they're sort of uh they have a a cover or like a copy onto him or something
0: right he is one of the greatest actors of our generation hands down but can he direct that's two different skill sets right there
1: well you know i the same thing i mean it, all right so uh what was that guy uh jim in the show uh the show the office
0: john krasinski
1: Yes, he directed that movie uh, where... The Quiet Place. The Quiet Place. And it was, from what I heard, it was really good. Really, really well directed. And the show, he, he, his, his background was comedy. Was acting in a comedy show.
0: I, I can't speak to the quality of the movie. I am not a horror guy. So I tend to skip a lot of those. I, I liked about two horror movies in my life. And that would be The Ring and Cabin in the Woods. And I am considering, after all these trailers, going to see It Part 2. I'll catch up with It Part 1. But uh, actually, I was interested in the Part 1 also. But when I heard about all the censorship that was taking place in that, how they were deleting scenes from the book to make it more politically correct, I wasn't giving them my money.
1: I I mean, some of the things they had to keep out. But the way in which reporters or journalists sometimes write what the the person says, they portray it in a way in which it's not – it's not so much. It's I mean, it's not genuine. It's like it's it, it like it, it mis- mis- people and, and how they say things because it changes um the inflection or the tone in which they say it. You know, so they'll the journalists will portray it like, well, he said it this. He said this, yeah, but how did he say it? You know, in what ways was he saying it?
0: What they censored was a sex scene in the book.
1: Like so you're talking about the kid sex scene
0: which obviously it's breaking a lot of taboos there but that's what the author envisioned and that's how it ought to be adapted.
1: Uh, was this probably I think this was probably back in, you know, Stephen King's coke
0: phase where he was writing and doing coke like constantly. Cocaine is a valid source of inspiration. Cocaine can be Stephen King's muse. It's a hell of a drug.
1: <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Not that I'm
0: speaking from experience, in case any federal law enforcement's uh, listening. <laughs>
1: one of my coworkers, funny as hell, he's, he was like, uh, he talked to one, one of my other coworkers, workers and as they was like, okay, we need to get this project started. He's like, alright, so let's grab some coke and get started. And I was like, what the hell?
0: Why do you think the 80s were the greatest decade that America has ever known? One word, cocaine.
1: Yeah, it was uh, the, the 80s, man. Whew.
0: Oh, God, I miss the Cold War.
1: That's how, that's how they got through it. Cocaine.
0: <laughs> well, this second Cold War, I, I, I fear that we may not win it. I, I think we need to really, really rally as a nation. The one with China I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. No,
1: no. I mean, yeah, I, I totally support Hong Kong on this one. I'm like, yeah, they need to. I, I, I'm, I'm totally supportive. I, I,
0: I would say Hong Kong, Taiwan, those have to be our two greatest allies. And I know Hong Kong is not independent but it really ought to be. "Sana de lenda est, as I always say. Sina de lenda est.
1: I mean, they, they, they spout our ideals, so I, I, I can't argue there.
0: Oh yeah, the protesters over there, they sing the national anthem, they chant the Pledge of Allegiance, they fly the American flag. They understand the principles on which this country is founded better than a lot of the people in this country. They want the same freedoms that our founders fought for. And if we don't defend them there that our freedoms are going to be stripped from us here. And already they are. I was just reading in the Atlantic last week that an American was fired from their company for speaking out against uh, China and in support of the protesters because her company was owned by a conglomerate in Hong Kong. And in order to crack down on them, the China's government has been talking to the business owners there in Hong Kong saying, hey, we want you cracking down everywhere. Not just the... People of Hong Kong, everywhere. So even though America was not censoring this person's speech, the Chinese government absolutely was. And if they can flex their muscles over here in the continental US of A, that means that we have gotten to the point where this hostile relationship, you know, it's going to be a cold war or a hot war or something worse. And that something worse is just giving up, you know, without even a fight.
1: And when I was watching UFC last night, I I could definitely see, like, the people – because it was in China. So you could see everybody there was waving the Chinese flag like crazy. They were
0: like – Might as well be a Nazi flag, honestly. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I see no difference between the hammer and sickle or the swastika or the yellow stars. They are all uh, totalitarian regimes that want to strip freedoms from people. And I I say this without – any hyperbole whatsoever. I, I am 33 years old. The cutoff for military commissions in most services, uh, 35. If we are going to go into a hot war with China, I hope it is within the next 18 months or so, because I will sign up. Because if we are going to fight the evil empire of our generation, I don't want to stand on the sidelines. I want to do my duty. All right. So I know you've already served our nation and. I, I thank you for that. We 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 at the Super Sexy Podcast want to say we support all the troops except for the Coast Guard. Fuck them. I, I work in the oil industry right now, and the Coast Guard is the bane of my existence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's put the context behind that one.
0: Oh, they, 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 they're the ones that are in charge of all the nonsensical regulations that make my job a lot harder, uh, and they don't actually improve the industry or safety or the environment or anything like that. It's just their way of... You know, squeezing a few dollars out of us to, you know, make a little windfall, you know, bolster their budget. It's for poppet policing. That's what it is. But uh, anyway, all right. Now we're going to move on to the next segment. Uh, I'm going to talk for a few seconds about the philosophy of the Super Sexy Podcast. It's not something we've ever covered on here before. And I think it's something we've hinted at a little bit especially in the introduction. Uh, Right now, we are in a time in which zealots zealots of a new religion are pushing puritanical values and ideas down everyone's throat. And they're not asking just their own followers to uh, adhere to this puritanism. They're asking all of society. And the Super Sexy Podcast is a much-needed reprieve from that. It's... The opposite of a safe space. It is an unsafe space for unsafe ideas in this day and age. Because sex positivity is, in the 2010s, an unsafe idea. The era of free love, unfortunately that's over. And we are in a new sexual counter-revolution, You know, trying to undo all the progress gained in the 1960s and since then. And all the fears of... What was that show on Hulu with the red dresses and the Puritanism? The Handmaid's Tale. All of that is coming not from the Christians. Although, you know, I think they have that. But they don't have any cultural capital in society anymore. Uh, although, there, there are fundamentalists that absolutely would, you know, make something like that happen. But, on the other side of the spectrum, there are fundamentalists uh, of wokeism that are absolutely trying to push something very, very similar to the handmaiden's tale on us. And this is just our way of pushing back a little bit, saying, we're not going to take it. We're going to keep being sex positive, and we are going to be boys being boys, and guys being guys, and we're going to have our locker room talk, and we don't care if you're locking or not. Come at me, bro. That's what the Super Sexy Podcast is all about. Grab him by the super pussy. I, I don't... Okay. <laughs> when I say locker room talk, I, I actually don't even go that far myself. Like, and, alright, I have been attacked in the street on election night, no less, uh, because people assume that's who I voted for, because I wear a cowboy hat everywhere. Uh, did not support that man. I think he is... Not to get all political, although I suppose we have this show. Uh, I, I think he is morally corrupt. Uh and not even, you know, because you know, like he's been married multiple times. I'm not going to judge anyone for, for womanizing. But I, I think he has no values. He is uh, verbally feliciating totalitarian dictators. And that's my real problem with him, that he has no principles. His only principle is money, and he sees all things as transactional. He's fighting China, which I like, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons. He doesn't give a shit about the protesters in Hong Kong. He's just trying to get a better trade deal without understanding trade in the first place. Don't trust
1: China. China is asshole.
0: China is the greatest, most existential threat of our day and the greatest threat since the Soviet Union. We are living in 1963 right now.
1: Here's the thing. Ever since, I think, even Reagan or or the first Bush, uh, he's basically, they said the same thing, The the biggest existential threat to the United States uh, or the United States spaces is North Korea.
0: And I have to disagree. I think North Korea is just essentially a satellite state of our real enemy. And that is China because China is right now a regional hegemony, you know, which we could have prevented with the trans Pacific partnership or something like that. But, and they are trying to become a global hegemony. They're trying to replace America as the world's superpower with a, I won't call it a Pax Sonica because it's not going to be a peace, but that's what the whole Belt and Road Initiative is all about. You know, trying to basically buy political capital throughout the world, and they're going for a diplomatic victory or cultural victory. Like they're playing Civ 6 to win here, and we have got to understand that, and we've got to get victory for America at all costs, whether. Uh, we play a religious victory game or a domination victory game or whatnot, we have got to win because America really does have universal values. You know, the rights enshrined, especially in the First Amendment, are going to go away, not just over there like they already have, but worldwide if you have a global Chinese hegemony. We've gotten a little heavy right now. Let's... Let's keep things a little light. Let's get to the, today's topic, and that is love and thunder, which means we are all about Thor today and his sex life. So, Andy, yes. let's speculate a little bit. How do you think his powers affect his performance in the bedroom?
1: First of all, I want to say his personality would fit the guy. Of like he's, a, he's probably that ravishing lover. He would be that guy be like, I'd have a pound a pound a couple beers and go in and be like there'd be like three naked, like blondes on his bed and he'd just go in and bang them all and like you know, just have a wild time.
0: I think you're describing issue number one of Thor God of Thunder by Jason Aaron, which is how he kicked off his legendary run on Thor. Except I think it was several barrels of mead that he drank. But yes, there were three blondes in his bed, if I recall correctly.
1: (laughs) And his performance would be, I would, I think he would be a god. He would literally be, he would be the perfect lover in the bedroom.
0: Oh, absolutely, he is the god of love and thunder. No question about that, because he is a, a playboy, and not just a billionaire. He is a god king. I mean, that's the ultimate playboy right there. Like, as much of a player as Zeus was in Greek mythology, ye. Yeah. You don't hear about it as much with Thor, but you know that's what it was. And as we were doing the research for the show, I came across an article on, I believe it was comicbook.com, saying that this, you know, his uh, trysts with mortal women back in the Viking era was part of the reason he was, at that time, unworthy of wielding Mjolnir. Now, I could not disagree more. Just because someone is worthy in the bedroom doesn't mean they are unworthy of a magic hammer. Like, if, if he could lift that hammer, he could lift some Uru. <laughs> I, I don't think sexual promiscuousness makes any person unworthy. Because I, I don't see it as a, a sin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's just spreading the love, that's all. Like, those, those are nights that the women of those Viking villages were blessed by the gods.
1: And just because he can bang all those women doesn't mean he can't go out and, you know, defend a village.
0: Absolutely. He can do both. Why not both? Yeah, I can do both. Yeah. Or or no, no, Thor. I mean, Thor. We're talking about Thor here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you think his lightning powers come into play at all?
1: Oh, probably to give the woman, like, a tingling pleasure sensation. He probably, if they can handle it, he probably is, with every thrust, like, a thunder-like clap. Like,
0: boom! Boom! I I wasn't thinking a whole thunder boom, but maybe a little bit of a a shock there for the girls that are into a little bit of BDSM or whatnot.
1: Oh, yeah, he probably has them, like, tied up on bed, and he's just, like, you know, feeling the the bolt of lightning hitting his back as he's, like, thrashing on top of her or
0: something. So, yeah, absolutely. I think we're both in agreement as to Thor, his powers, his personality. Let's get into his love interests, like who these girls are other than the anonymous Viking villagers. So, where do we gotta start? But of course, Jane Foster. Jane was introduced in Journey into Mystery number 84, just one issue after Thor himself made his debut in issue 83. Although, for her first two appearances, she was actually Jane Nelson for some reason. Now, unlike her MCU counterpart, Jane was a nurse in the comics, which brought her to a pretty close proximity with Thor's Mortal Guys, Donald Blake, who was a crippled physician, albeit a little bit less up, hopped, hopped up on Viking than uh, House MD, which, phenomenal show, one, one of the greats of the last few years. Now, she did enter into a classic Lois Lane-esque triangle with Thor and Donald Blake, you know, his alter ego. Although, Thor, he had the sense to reveal the duplicity to her decades before Superman did to Lois. Now, in a reverse Superman 2, remember, that's the movie where the Man of Steel gave up his powers to be a mortal woman. Thor, he did things right. He brought Jane with him to Asgard, and had Odin grant her immortality, making her a goddess. Briefly. What happened was she failed a Kobayashi Maru-style test, which gave Odin a pretext, you know, strip her of the immortality and the godhood and all that, and to take away her memory of Thor, effectively ending their relationship. Now, obviously there's a lot more to say about Jane Foster, uh, because she herself became Thor for a while. But, in order to hear about that, I'm going to point you to uh, Wisecrack. Because right around this time, maybe a few days from now, or a few days before now, uh, they're going to be dropping, courtesy of yours truly as the writer of the script, uh, analysis of her time wielding Mjolnir. And, yeah, it's going to use that analysis to predict the plot of Thor, Love and Thunder. So... Yeah, it, it's philosophy that's, you know, predicted movies. Like I can get into a lot more, but I don't want to, like, spoil anything for all y'all. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say about it for right now. But uh, definitely go check out Wisecrack. So, moving on. Talking right now about Lady Sif. Sif, she's Thor's rebound after Jane. Odin obviously did not approve of the relationship between Thor and Jane, so he kind of, like, play matchmaker. He pushed the two of them together, specifically so Thor wouldn't like be hung up on the mortal chick he just lost. Now, Thor and Sif, they were like the classic childhood sweethearts. And now they're reunited as adults. However, Jane, she became mortally injured, and even though she forgot who Thor was, Thor still remembered her. And so he went to be by her side, like at the hospital, and when he did, it became evident that to Sif, that he was still hung up on his ex. So, what does Sif do? She merges her, like, spirit with the body of Jane, which saved Jane's life, and, like, the two of them became, like, one person for a brief period of time, which, honestly, the most boring variant of the menage a trois right there. (laughs) Like, I'd rather just clone a girl, you know, than you're, like, with one spirit but two bodies instead of, like, two spirits in one body. Like, who wants that? that that's just one step above a devil's threesome right there. Which, interesting story. I, I was uh, hanging out with a group of friends in D.C. Uh, recently, and I was showing them uh, a photograph of the uh, girl I was dating at the time. And as I do, a different girl starts texting, like, and they're all reading my text because, like, they're looking at my phone screen. And it's like, hey, cowboy, want to have a threesome tonight? And they're like, wait, 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 is this the girl? Like, oh, no, that's a different 22-year-old girl right now. <laughs> Could not have been better timing, like, you know, to, to really impress the boys right there. <laughs> oh, no, different 22-year-old girl wants to have sex right now. <laughs> so moving on from that brief so I'm at the bar. (laughs) Uh, Where were we? Oh yeah, we were talking about uh, Lady Sif. So thankfully for Thor, this whole body merge, it doesn't last long. And like Austin Powers at the start of The Spy Who Shagged Me, Thor becomes a bachelor once again. Alright, moving on. Valkyrie. Now, lots of Valkyries, obviously. Like, that's a job title, not the name of someone. Although there's usually like one character in the Marvel universe that's called the Valkyrie. Now, the first and best is none other than Brunhilde from like Wagner's Ring Cycle. Like, not Marvel's version of it. Like, it's just, that's what Wagner wrote. That's the history in Marvel as well. Except, Sigmund, that's revealed to be a Donald Blake situation. Like, it's Thor incarnate as a mortal, like, all those centuries ago. So before he became incarnate as Donald Blake, he was incarnate as Sigmund, the hero of Wagner's Ring Cycle. So that's like my favorite incarnation of Valkyrie. And obviously like, you know, you have her where she's like passed out and she's a Sleeping Beauty variation, you know, encircled by the Ring of Fire. And you have Sigmund who is like unafraid of anything at all. He has grown up knowing no fear in the whole world, not even fear of the gods. Like, He's trying to get to Brunhild, and Odin, he stops him. And Sigmund, he just breaks Odin's spear and walks right past the God of Gods. And then he sees she's encircled by a ring of fire, and he doesn't know fear still. He just walks right through it. And then he sees the beauty of Brunhild, and her beauty is the first thing that sets fear into his heart. Oh, just such a perfect story. A, a true Fairy tale slash myth, like where the two genres meet at their best. I, I love it. I just love it. So that that's the history there of the Marvel universe. So nothing, no other Valkyrie story is going to top that, uh, unless maybe you got Jason Aaron writing uh, Jane Foster as the new Valkyrie now. Maybe he might be able to like do something with that. But uh, there's another Valkyrie story in the Ultimate Universe. Valkyrie. She was this 19-year-old with no superpowers. All she was was an orange belt in karate. And despite that, she became a member of the Defenders. Which, it's not the one from the MCU like you're thinking. These Defenders are like the D-list superheroes. They're like cosplayers that decide to also fight crime. And Hank Pym, he doesn't realize it. He thinks they're a real superhero team. Uh, And so he joins them as like Ant-Man, Giant-Man... And they have one mission, and it goes to shit. And afterwards, Hank's like, "Ah, eh, I'll make it like at least worth my while to have been with the team that was a non-team for now." So he he sleeps with this 19-year-old. while he and his wife uh, Janet are separated. Uh, now, the way reason I say this is because Valkyrie then starts dating Thor, like Ultimate Thor, and they actually have a real relationship and not just a one-night stand, which. I mean, if you're really the guy of Thunder, you're absolutely going for this beautiful, blonde, barely legal 19-year-old chick. Do you disagree?
1: Honestly, I, I, I would totally banger. <laughs> I would... I, 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 there'd be no, no question. It would be like... 18 is the age of consent. It, it would be the last time it probably ever happened, so might as well do it once in your life, you know?
0: Uh, I do indeed. And don't think like that. I mean... We both feel like we're getting older. We're both in our early 30s. But a lot of the girls I've dated in this last year have been like 22 through 24. Like about like 11 to 9 years younger than me. And that, that age gap just keeps getting wider and wider every single year. <laughs> that guy from, um, uh, what is it? Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I keep getting older and they say the same age. I don't say that about high school girls, mind you, but college girls? Oh, Andy, one of my favorite holidays of the year is coming up as we're recording this podcast. You know what that is? Edit, edit.
1: First day of the semester?
0: Exactly. Fall semester eve. And that means every single co-ed that just turned 21 over the summer is going to be at the bars this weekend. So, yeah, I am going to have a fun time. I'll tell you that. (laughs) the cowboy has been doing very well this summer and i want to keep the streak up you might have a few more stories uh for our segment so i'm at the bar coming up uh pretty soon (laughs) all right (laughs) exactly why don't you take it with the next next two love interests
1: okay so my my specialty or what who mainly what i know of thor came from the marvel cinematic universe so I had to do a little bit of uh, digging to find out some more characters, some more uh, women that were interested with uh, Thor. And the first one that came up was uh, Rosalind Solomon. And uh, she, used, uh, she was on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Which I did not know. I did know this character from some of the comics. I, I dropped off Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like midway through season two. So the fact that she had like a, a cinematic incarnation like, was a huge surprise to me when you told me that.
1: And I'm really surprised you made it to season two.
0: It was not a good show. Although the tie-in with Winter Soldier was kind of worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, because it, it it tied in a couple things, so I thought it was gonna be cool. But th- it got too hokey or cheesy. And it was just like, what kind of show is this? It's like, it, ugh, I don't know. So, anyways, uh, so it was she was played by Constance Zimmer. Th- th- this was in no relation. Like she never met Thor, so this this interpretation was never, you know, it, it was just that character, but not in not into Thor.
0: Whereas in the comics, she's essentially one of those individuals that, like, contacts a celebrity on social media, like, hey, I need a date for the prom. Like, even though you're a celebrity, you want to, like, really make me the popular person at school now? And she did that for, like, her graduation from S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Yes, and she asked Tony Stark. uh, And uh, Tony Stark relayed the message to Thor and said, hey, you know, this woman, Rosalind, would like you to go to graduation. And Thor obliged.
0: Yeah. And so she tracks me as like a very modern love interest because instead of like being a nurse, which just like a classic feminine, uh, you know, career, she is an environmental agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. And like, obviously, climate change, like environmental concerns are one of the huge topics like of today. And so Jason Aaron making this character like all about the environment like, really speaks to those concerns and those issues.
1: And, and, you know, Thor saved her when she was, uh, when she was uh, out at sea looking for illegal whaling ships.
0: And, and you know how, like, she got in contact with him, right? Oh, how was that? So Thor, he doesn't have, like, super hearing like Superman. Like, and Superman's super hearing is, like, almost magical. Like, he can hear way faster than the speed of sound. Like, he can hear from, like, planets away and whatnot. Thor, instead of super hearing, what he does is... As long as someone prays to him, he will hear it from anywhere in the universe. Because he's a god, he can hear prayers. And so she she prayed to Thor. Yeah.
1: It's almost as if they, they exist if if someone acknowledges them. And it's, it's like, it's weird. It's like, yes, I am here. I'm listening to you. Like, it, that, I don't know. That just seems a little weird.
0: What, what it is, it's Jason Aaron establishing, like, that the whole Jack Kirby idea of Thor is this, And all the Asgardians as super advanced aliens? It's wrong. They are gods. They are absolutely just gods. Because he wanted to speak to the idea of God, and he is using mythological gods as stand-ins for the more serious conception of
1: God. Ah, so he's like a Zeus or like a uh...
0: no. He's more like a a Jesus. I mean, there's a reason why you see in Jason Aaron's run every single god at the end of time being crucified on a cross. Like, he is not subtle with his imagery and what he is trying to communicate. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, there's a character, Roxxon, who is bringing ice from Europa to Alaska to sell
0: as... Well, Roxxon's not a character. Roxxon is an evil corporation, like Exxon.
1: Yeah, they're like a... Um-
0: they're actually a mix between Fox News and Exxon, like if you read the comics. And it is super, super obvious.
1: And, and, and they're, they're the ones selling the bottled water, you know, they're Nestle. They're they're selling the bottled water and I'm like this should be free, right? Nope, nope, the dollar.
0: Well, it's not just any kind of water. It's like water from Europa. Like they are really sci-fi. And what Thor does in order to like fuck them over? He gets a big rock uh, of ice from Juttenheim. Yeah, Juttenheim, like you know, with the frost giants. Oh, Jottenheim.
1: Jotunheim, yeah.
0: Jotun, Jotun, yeah. So yeah, that that fucks them over and fucks their bottom line. <laughs>
1: The same thing we want to do
0: to Sony and Disney
1: right now. And and using this, he was able to get basically he was a he, he impressed uh, Rosalind and was able to get you know go to dinner with her. But she was like, eh, she referred to him a coffee. I was like, I'll, I'll
0: just go see you coffee. You, know? you don't do that to the God of Thunder. I know. She like
1: she, she, he could have rocked her world or done something. I mean,
0: she is not hurting for options. Absolutely, like yeah, she. I don't know what she was thinking. Like, may maybe the way she's being drawn is just not conveying like her as like the most beautiful woman in the world, because why would Thor like lower himself? Like, Oh, I know you're just a mortal. I know I'm like leagues above you. Cause I am literally the god of thunder, but no, I'll, I'll let you play me around a little bit.
1: She's missing out. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. She's just like, she's so into like what she, her business doing, it, I guess doing her job that she's just like, Oh, well, you know, we'll do this. It's like, Like, my God, woman, do you ever want to get married? You know?
0: Uh, And that's no one's fault but hers. And she'll learn that when she's, like, 39, about to be 40, and all of her prospects, you know, dried up. And she could have been with Thor. And all the guys she's, you know, swiping right on Tinder who aren't swiping right back, like, she's like, oh, man, even these guys that I'm settling for, they're no God of Thunder. It's
1: only going to come once, you know? I mean, how often does a God come down and say, want to fuck me? <laughs> you know, literally like, like I'll go on a date with you. You know, it's like, like, why would you not like, it's only going to happen once
0: in, in our world. It maybe only happened once with married wife of Joseph, but maybe who knows. Or,
1: there? or, I mean, you know, or Zeus coming down and, you know, impre- coming as a horse or a bull or something.
0: If Zeus is real, I'm not completely discounting that possibility. And I don't think he ever came as a horse.
1: Oh, no, 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 it was a, I think it was a bull or something like that.
0: He he came as a sacred bull with Europa, he came as a golden shower with Theseus' mother, and he came as a swan with someone else.
1: uh, Please define golden shower, because I have a totally different thought in my head.
0: Right? I know. (laughs) But uh, literally just a light rain shower that sparkled with gold. Zeus did not take a piss on this (laughs)
1: bull. He gave her a golden shower. (laughs)
0: I know what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to our final entry, Amora the Enchantress. Tell us a little about her, Andy.
1: Okay, so uh, Amora the Enchantress is, uh, she's, the, she's an all, I guess, uh, she's a, a, a villainess who has, like, magical powers. She's basically, uh, uh, she's worked with, I think, Loki several times. She's mischief. She just basically causes a lot of problems for him. But at the same time, she's trying to, like, seduce him.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that is what she is—absolutely a magical seductress.
1: Yes, and she and she wants to. I mean, obviously, who doesn't? You know, if if you're a uh, an enchantress and you have those powers in that, that body.
0: Oh, oh yeah, I cannot wait for her to be in the MCU because if they do the casting right and they do the costume right, like this could be one of the most attractive actresses, you know, that is going to play one of the most attractive characters, like, and a good personality too. She's all about sex positivity. Even if she's using it for villainous ends, which, really, there's no such thing. All sex positivity is used for heroic ends, even if it's to conquer the world in the name of evil. It's still, like, yeah, honeypot me. The only... Maybe if you had this very, very attractive... uh, sleeper agent, you know, for communist China that was trying to seduce me for state secrets and if I give in to temptation, then the Red Army, like from you know, Mao's Red Army is gonna like march their boots over uh, you know, the plains of America. Maybe then I'd keep it in my pants. But there's not a lot of situations otherwise in which I'm not eating out of that pot of honey.
1: Yeah, and she's uh She's probably not one you want to probably get involved with. You know, she's going to manipulate you no matter what. She's a sorceress, you know? Obviously, she's just going to mess with your head.
0: I mean, so are most of the girls at the Gentleman's Club, but I still mess around there.
1: That's true. And then, you know, in a Rule of Thor series, uh, there is an alternate future where, uh, where Thor takes over Earth. Why? Because we needed it,
0: you know? Because of reasons.
1: Yeah, because of reasons. And Amora, the Enchantress seduces and marries thor and they actually have a kid a girl named magni when he when the uh i guess the enchantment uh breaks apart and uh it disappears he's actually able to go back in time and uh warn his past self don't do it man don't get involved in it
0: now if my recollection is correct magni is actually one of the names of thor's sons in norse mythology really Can can, can you speak to that at all or you, you play god of war right
1: uh, I, I played the first one back when it was like... Oh no, I'm talking
0: about like the PlayStation 4 version. I'm pretty sure Magni was one of the two sons of Thor that you fought there. Uh, and I've read uh, Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. Probably like the best summation of Norse Mythology. And I think I recall the name Magni in there too. Definitely feel free to look that up. Correct me if I'm wrong. But if so, that's the writers like really going ad fontes to the source, as they say in Latin. Like and I particularly love when they do that when it's not just making stuff up out of their ass, like, but actually, you know, looking at the real Norse mythology. Like, if I ever got a chance to write Thor, I'm absolutely making alterations, like, to make it fit in the Marvel universe. But like, Thor's journey to Jotunheim, one of my favorite Norse myths, gotta have that in
1: there. Oh, and uh, Mag- Magni obviously was a a boy, not a girl. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Uh, in the comics. I, I figured as much, yeah. But yeah, you, you were able to confirm that is the name of his son in mythology? Uh, yes. Alright. So, I'm not just speaking out of my ass. Good. So,
1: in uh, Thor 350, Amora actually has a sister, Lorelai, who's also a nice guardian. And they compete with each other. Who can, who can basically seduce Thor the first, or the most, or the fastest, I guess.
0: Now, did Thor win by letting him tie at the finish line? Both at the same time? Did Thor get the belt? (laughs) Did
1: Thor get the belt?
0: You know about the belt, right? No, actually I don't. From How I Met Your Mother, the threesome belt?
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: That uh, Barney and Ted were competing to see who would be the first guy to have a three-way. And there was a literal uh, WWE-style belt that the winner would get.
1: Really? Oh, I love it.
0: My uh, my best friend and I might be in a similar competition. One night, okay, th- actually, I'll save that story for. So I'm at the bar. That's a another story for another day. But you, you
1: have plenty of stories to tell, so that's great. Indeed. Um, and so uh, this relationship between uh, uh, Amora and Lorelei sort of strained uh, each other's. So, you know, it it they they had this rivalry going that was just sort of like. Hey, let's let's. Who can seduce uh, Thor the fastest? But it was just like it was like I can do it better. And then eventually, because Thor being Thor was like you can't do it. It just it, it caused friction and strain in between them.
0: All right. Disappointing ending to that story, I have to say. I know. Not how I would have wrote it. <laughs> anyway, that uh, that about sums it up for Thor's various paramours. Let's uh let's move on to the casting couch. Now, a few of these uh, characters have actually been adapted on screen. So, let's consider which was the most attractive actress ever to play one of Thor's love interests. And we got a few options. I'm going to enumerate them from, for you. And then we'll uh, discuss the various uh, pros and cons of each. Of course, you got to start with Natalie Portman. Queen Amadala herself. Padme. As Jane Foster, and obviously, like she's been in a few MCU movies. She has been in Thor. She's been in Thor: to The Dark World. Uh, one or two of the Avengers movies. She was like seen in the background or whatnot. Uh, written out of Ragnarok altogether, and then lo and behold, she is the star of Thor: Love and Thunder, from which we got the uh, name of this episode. So that is exciting as anything. I cannot wait for that. I
1: suspect that uh, Taika Waititi. Because from what I've heard, it's like he only had a few minutes to like tell her, and he convinced her in that time. And I think he just really showed up with a piece of paper with a number on it and said, here. And she said, yes.
0: I'm guessing that number was her paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, not the noblest of reasons, but uh, as long as we get a good movie.
1: The MCU has just been blowing up. I mean, uh, l- look at Blade. You know, I, uh, Mahershala Ali. He, I guarantee he just walked in and just set down his uh, his Academy Awards and said, "I want to play Blade," and they said, "Okay, you're playing Blade."
0: Right, right. Blade, I think, is one of the least interesting characters in the Marvel universe. Like vampires and werewolves and zombies and all of that, like supernatural bullshit like i have never found anything compelling about any of that so what
1: well, you heard about the uh where they might introduce them no where's that dr strange and the multiverse of madness
0: now that might be my single most anticipated film of the entire phase four because dr strange is still one of my top five mcu films and easily the best debut debut solo film of the mcu
1: and 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 from what i understand it's they're going in a horror route. the director said i want to do the first horror movie
0: ah that that is a bit disappointing although you know it's not going to be like a serial killer horror like multiverse of madness obviously it's a play on uh what's that very very famous uh like cthulhu story mountain of madness
1: oh mountain of madness
0: yeah. So obviously there's a Lovecraftian horror element which Lovecraftian horror is so much more interesting than like Saw, like which is horror porn or Scream which is serial killer like. Well, from
1: what I've understood is they're going to introduce WandaVision this in that movie and that's how the series is going to get started and this the series itself is going to be like a 1950s TV show with canned laughter.
0: Interesting. Now that is very appropriate after Tom King's run on Vision Seminal, probably the most important twelve uh, issue run that that character has ever seen. If they go with that kind of feel, I can see that doing very very well.
1: I this is honestly when when Kevin Feige said we're intentionally making things different, I was like, okay, what's going on? What are you doing? And then I saw what he was doing. I was like, oh, this is interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, this is one of the most exciting times of the MCU. Honestly, I think the lead-up to Endgame was probably slightly more exciting because it was everything that's leading up to this. Now we are in uncharted territory right here.
1: Yeah, and it's opened up because now you're confident. We trust him. We trust Disney to at least produce a product that will go like, that's good, you know?
0: I mean, they, they've had mediocre outings, absolutely, but nothing that's ever been bad. Even their
1: mediocre outings have still somewhat impressed. Like it, it, like, it, like Captain America, the first Avenger?
0: Oh, I would not call that mediocre. Now, when I'm talking mediocre, I'm talking... The Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk, Dark World, Iron Man 3, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, like, you know, the bottom of the barrel MCU, the, the movies you only see once, and like... Okay, I got the story. I don't need to read.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the quality of the the movie itself was still very good, and so you knew that you were it, even with like the basic mundane stuff, you were still going to get quality basic mundane stuff. You know, it's like it's going to be vanilla, but it's going to be quality vanilla.
0: Basically, still better than Suicide Squad or Malak. Like. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let us move on to the casting couch. Oh, we're already on the casting couch, aren't we? We, we talked about Natalie Portman. Okay. Let's move on. Jamie Alexander, Lady Sif. Uh, Another one that was in the first two Thor movies. Unceremoniously written out. So unfortunate. We don't see her die at all. Which gives me hope that she is still around there somewhere. Because she is just so gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. Contender for not just like most attractive of the actresses that Thor has been with in the MCU. She's a contender for the most attractive actress in the MCU, hands down. Oh yeah, I
1: completely agree.
0: Both of them written out to make room for Valkyrie in the third movie. Not the worst decision in the world, but the casting of her. Tessa Thompson. I mean, good on Westworld, but definitely does not look like the comic book counterpart in any of her incarnations. And just not the most attractive actress. Like, she's skilled. She she can be a different person, she could do that part of acting, but the part of acting in which you actually resemble not just someone other than yourself, but the actual character of Valkyrie, well there she misses the mark by Ma.
1: Yeah, she is attractive, but she's just, she doesn't really do it for
0: me. Nah, Ma, me neither.
1: She would probably be on the list, well, once we finish the list, I'll tell you where she stands.
0: She She's above Eartha kit.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely
0: which puts her pretty far down on the list of all the actresses we've talked about over the years all right that leaves us with our final actress Constance Zimmer as Rosalind Solomon now I I wasn't even aware of this individual until you did the research here and then I saw the actress they cast and that is not who I would have cast at all she looks about twice the age of the character from the comics yeah
1: it's, it I I, I guess because they weren't gonna have her like you know hook up with Thor and stuff it was it was okay yeah it.
0: yeah she's she's absolutely below Tessa Thompson right here
1: yeah yeah she's be the she'd be the last one you know I mean obviously this is the last person, so if we were to rate everybody, it would be Jamie Alexander, Natalie Portman, maybe Tessa Thompson and then Constance.
0: Uh, we are in absolute agreement there. I will say Jamie Alexander and Natalie Portman, like that is a very narrow gap there. Natalie Portman, gorgeous, cannot wait to see her in Love and Thunder. Uh, I think she has not aged a day since Attack of the Clones. She—it's
1: weird, you know. It's like those those actors and actresses that just do not age.
0: I think she must have had a blood infusion from Keanu Reeves at some point in her life,
1: or uh, uh, Tom Cruise or something. You know?
0: Yeah, because yeah, she she has held up, and she's got to be in her late thirties now, and she looks like she was in her early twenties. Like, my goddess. That's all I have to say about that. Because yeah, and if it's your kind of thing, she's also intelligent. She is like an Ivy League grad and whatnot, which some guys are into. Sapiosexuals, they call them. That's a weird fetish. No, not one of mine personally. Hey, if that's your bag. Honestly, if
1: I can't have a conversation with her, I probably don't want to have sex with her. Really? Yeah. Honestly, it's just like I I don't I'm not into that uh one night thing or just getting to know like it just just you know one night things. I'm I'm not one night stands. I'm not into those. I'm if I'm gonna go uh. For a Relationship, it's going to be monogamous, it's going to be between the person who I'm with. You know, I'm just a different person. Yeah,
0: we are very different persons. Yeah, I I, I probably haven't had more than 20 or so one night stands in my life, to be honest. So, I, I'm not into them as, as much personally either. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, I would easily have a one night stand with uh, Natalie Portman or Jamie Alexander.
1: Now, now. A once-in-a-lifetime chance, like, we're talking, like, average everyday people. Now, if if we're talking movie stars or gods and stuff, then um, my kind of, my, a lot of my philosophy kind of goes out the window on that one.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah, because that's probably never going to happen again, so... Again, that's a defeatist attitude.
0: Well, yeah. But, but I get the philosophy, like, you don't know for certain, so... You know, take opportunities as they present themselves.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, if I'm going to meet a woman, it, she's probably going to be, like, you know, a social worker or, like, she like a business manager or something. It'd be like, She'll have, like, a job. Maybe a regular person. I'm not going to marry a movie star. You know, I don't see that happening anytime soon.
0: Personally, like, if I'm going to meet a girl, she's probably going to be a sorority president or a sorority sister or a barmaid, like, on the weekends while she's at school. Yeah, or a waitress on the weekends while she's at school. <laughs> I have a type.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for me, I, I'd just be different. I'd be like, if, if, but if if an actress came here and it was like, I just happened to meet her one night. I'm like, oh shit, she that actress? And then she suddenly was interested in talking to me, and then next thing you know, we hit it off, and we just like had a one night stand. I wouldn't really complain about that because I'd be like, yeah, that happened. Oh shit, you know.
0: I, I think I already said this story on the podcast where. At one point, I was at the bar, and I did meet an actress, and I'd never, like, seen anything she was in, and when I brought her back to my place, like, the first thing she did before we started making out was she showed me, like, you know, a movie she was in. I'm like, oh, no, you weren't lying. You were an actress. I can check that off the bucket list.
1: She probably, you you probably uh, looked, she was, like, first thing she showed you was her IMDb page.
0: Yes, actually. She did have an IMDb page. (laughs) That's... Yeah, I know you were joking, but that is actually the case. <laughs> That's
1: Honestly, it's legit. I mean, even in Mortal Kombat 11, the first thing Johnny Cage did when he got back was look at an equivalent IMDB page for his future self.
0: Oh, I forgot about that scene. Yeah, nice. All right, so let's move on to the second part of the casting cash. What actress would you cast as the Enchantress for Love and Thunder? Alice Eve. From Star Trek into Darkness. Oh my
1: god, she is so gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I, I am not disagreeing with you on that one. Like so I uh I also picked like a classic, you know, beautiful blonde. Uh one that I think has a very seductive look to her. And when I was looking for who I'd have play the Enchantress, I was looking specifically who has been a Victoria's secret runway model, like in the past or currently and whatnot. And the one that I ended up going with actually does have some acting experience from Transformers 3 Dark Side of the Moon. And that would be Rosie Huntington Whiteley. And I, I think she just has. She, she just has that seductive look in her eye. You know, that. Come on. Yeah oh no she
1: looks like like a statue like almost like a um i'm not gonna say like like it's almost like she's chiseled out of like out of granite Absolute or granite or yeah, yeah. Like, like she's perfect
0: like she has never been fat for a day in her life where she had to lose a pound and you know, like there's still the Marcia. no she is just everything is in the right place absolutely
1: jason statham is a very lucky guy
0: Oh, is that who uh, she's married to? Oh,
1: well, she's been with him for a very long time. I don't know if they're married, but I know they've been with each other for a long time.
0: Which gives me a lot of hope because Jason Statham, fellow bald man, and I know I do ridiculously well for a bald guy, but I have to say, Rosie is even better than I have ever done. And that's saying something. I've been with some beautiful women in my life. But uh, Jason Statham, I'm coming for you. I'm going to catch up.
1: He, she's been with him for nine years. and they're, they're That is they're a not, long time. They're not married. Oh, they're engaged.
0: Alright. I think if you put all of my relationships together, it wouldn't equal nine months. <laughs> Except for when I was engaged. Like, But we don't even count that. That's before my rebirth.
1: She's had a kid, so, wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is hard to believe. I, I assume you mean like, there was a surrogate mother, like, that, you know, grew the kid in their, like, womb and whatnot, because no way has this woman ever, ever popped one out. She is just too perfectly put in all the right places. You know what?
1: I I don't know. Uh, Wow. to, To go home with that every night? To go home to that every night?
0: You can die a happy man.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, and that brings us to our final segment. You know, the one where I talk about my memoirs. The one that is titled, The Way That Every One of the Stories Begins. So I'm at the bar. And this time I am at the bar, even after four days straight of drinking in Manhattan for Comic-Con. I get back Sunday night, and the first thing I do, go to the bar. And I'm just hanging out, and... A whole group comes in, and it's not just girls, there's, you know, some guys too, uh, about, there's four of them, two girls, two guys, and one of them just not, not wearing what you would call pants. It's more like painted on leather. And all the times I'd ever seen her after, she refused to wear anything that wasn't, you know, one pant size too small, skinner, not skin tight, tighter than that, like... And she had a body for her too, I'll tell you that. And so, just like this painted on leather, and like she walks right up to me. I've never seen this woman in my life before. Uh, and she's like, Cowboy, I know you. And I, I'm, I would be at a loss, but this is not the first time this has happened to me. Uh, I'm known by reputation by about twice as many people as I've ever met in my life. And she's like, Oh, yeah, we have a uh, mutual friend who I'm not going to name, you know, this very pretty uh, punk blonde girl who you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do know her. And apparently, as I always suspected, beautiful women are talking about me positively behind my back. So she's saying, oh, yeah, my blonde friend has told me all about you, cowboy. I'm like, well, that is good to know. And, And we hang out a little bit that night, and I get to know her friends, and they are just the coolest people I've ever met. This is a karaoke night, and one of her guy friends... He brings a saxophone, and he starts playing his saxophone, you know to the karaoke song as his friend is singing along and I have to say I'm a pretty cool guy, but these guys eclipsed me that night like I was for the first time not the coolest guy in the bar uh It was refreshing I'm like, man, I want to join this group I want to like make them not make them part of my gang, I just want to be part of their gang, and so me and uh this brunette uh, that dresses provocatively all the time. We, we hang out like a, a few more times. Uh, mostly, I, I'm not going to say where that, that would give too much of her identity away. But one time, we're hanging out and it's really evident that like, okay, I'm not wrong to suspect she likes me. So I invite her back to my place afterwards and she's like, oh yeah, absolutely. We get to my apartment, you know. Get into the elevator, and we just start going at it. Just start making out. I'm like, okay, I was not wrong here. Get to my my bedroom. Start rounding second, and she just puts the brakes on. I'm sorry, cowboy. Y- you are 30-something years old, and you are living in a college dorm room. Like I, I just, this place stinks of all the college skanks you've banged. And she wasn't wrong, but it was it was a wake up call that even Van Wilder has to graduate at some point. Like, okay, not that I wasn't graduated. Like, I, I had long since graduated college, but uh, yeah, I, I was in my thirties and I was electing to live in a dorm room because I decided, no, I just want to do the college life permanently all my life, you know. I mean, I still do, obviously. I'm going out this weekend for, you know, back to school, Eve, and whatnot. But uh, the very next day, I called up a realtor, and I'm like, look, I I can't have this happen. If I am going to occasionally date a woman my own age or close to it, I can't have them uh, deciding that it's unacceptable that I live in a dorm room. I need my own place. I need to buy a place of my own, so... That's the story of how I, I went from a dorm room to a homeowner. Yeah, it's a tragic one, one of my misadventures instead of my adventures. And uh, she's got a boyfriend now, and it wouldn't have lasted between us anyway. But uh, oh well, live and learn. And now I've got my own place, and when I bring it, girls back, it, it, they are very impressed. I have a, a very nice uh, place. So that brings us to the end of this episode. If you want to follow us, we actually do have a Gmail account now. Uh, it is supersexypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us. It is supersexypod. Uh, or we got a Facebook page, uh, super sexy Podcast on Facebook. You can contact us. You can request uh, episodes. You can write in with questions that we will read on air. Uh, we're becoming a legit operation here. So definitely uh, – Follow us all those places. Contact us. We can't wait to hear from you all. Have a good one. See ya.